0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, and we are back live, back in studio, and back with an absolutely jam-packed show. For your Wednesday afternoon, Alfred Parsard Jr. Grid Network contributor will be joining us in about 20 minutes to talk all things Major League Baseball playoffs. Also talk about his Jets who got a big, big win over the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. He, he was going going to, at least he told me, come out with some big sort of uh, something for the 8 o'clock spot, which we didn't have a show last night uh, due to the fact that I was uh, traveling home. But uh, listen, Alfred's going to be joining us. Can't wait to have him on this week's edition of Carving Up the Context, which we usually do on Wednesdays. Did it last Monday uh, for from my man Dak Prescott, who I'm about to get into, but this week's edition of Carving Up the Context involves a United States Senator calling out the NIL in college sports and making a comment that I just found absolutely laughable. I'm going to get into that later today's show. Also, every Wednesday, Bryson's best 10, my top 10 teams in the NFL going into week seven, including a change at number one. Number one best team in the NFL. Uh, they have not been number one this season. They're going to be this week. Uh, the Niners have been my number one since week two. Obviously, there's a change there given the fact that they lost to Cleveland. I'll discuss that. I'll also give my predictions for Jaguar Saints tomorrow night's game uh, from the Superdome. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, it looks like he's going to be ready to go. I'm obviously predicting this game with the assumption that Trevor's going to be able to go. He says he is. Uh, of course, still got to get cleared by the doctors the whole bit, but looks like Trevor's going to be able to, to give it a go tomorrow night. But again, loaded show Jam-packed, but you know, but first, you know, I want my fellow Dak Prescott supporters and fans out there, particularly fans of the Dallas Cowboys, particularly fans of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and particularly the fans of Houghton High School. The Houghton uh, Buccaneers, I believe, is where Dak Prescott played high school football. You, the, Those in Louisiana may, may correct me if I'm wrong on that, but those out there who call themselves Dak Prescott fans and supporters and those who root for the Dallas Cowboys, just say same one thing with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. At this point, you know how the drill goes. Rain Dakota Prescott put together one of the best quarterback games of the 2023 NFL season. I'll tell you why. So... First of all, Dak comes into this game against the Los Angeles Chargers with basically everything going against him entering the game as it pertains to an offensive line that has struggled throughout the first part of the season and played horribly against the Los Angeles Chargers throughout. When you consider the fact that Dak, you, you consider the pressure he had coming in, which that, that's always the case because of the quarterback, the Cowboys. We understand how that goes. And it, certainly Dak understands that. So did Tony Ramos, so did Troy we, we We get the pressure it comes to be at the Cowboys quarterback. But you had former players, Dante Whitmer, on the San Francisco 49ers postgame show. Dante Whitmer, former safety for the Niners, said, and I quote, Dak Prescott sucks. Not he's average. Not he's good, but not great. No, no, no. He said, point blank, Dak Prescott sucks. You could argue that Dante's probably salty because Dak threw his head into the turf during a Thanksgiving Day game, but that's neither here nor there. You had Shady McCoy, Lashawn McCoy on FS1, this second time he's done this, saying that Dak Prescott was, and I quote, ass. Hmm, interesting. You also consider the fact that Dak in this game was the Cowboys leading rusher. Not Tony Pollard, not Rico Dowdle, no, 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 not the occasional CeeDee Lamb reverse play, no, no, it's Dak Prescott, not even Cavazes, it was Dak, Dak led the Cowboys in rushing, when you consider the fact that he was facing a team whose offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, the narrative coming to this one was, oh boy, now that Kellen Moore's got Justin Herbert, oh, he's gonna, and, and now Dak Prescott's got Mike McCarthy, more on him in just a moment, Dak Prescott's got Mike McCarthy. He no longer has the, the safety net of Kellen Moore to put him in position to make plays. Now now Kellen has the better quarterback in, in Justin Herbert. More in him later as well. And Dak was so great, and Kellen Moore struggled. You all consider the fact that he was dealing with I mean, I, I guess I was wrong on this one, folks. I'm going to have to admit I was wrong on this one. I thought Mike McCarthy would be an upgraded play caller over Kellen Moore. He's not. He's bad in his own way. Kellen was too cute. Mike's too conservative. That's how it goes. Mike McCarthy, eight seconds left of the half. Cowboys tied the Chargers, 7-7, down in the red zone. And Dak Prescott is feeling good. He's playing pretty well. He hasn't turned the ball over. They get it down the red zone, eight seconds left with a timeout, mind you. And Mike McCarthy, when the... Game clock operator stops the clock accidentally, assuming Mike calls, is going to call a timeout because the Cowboys' previous play had ended in bounds. And you see your thing, okay, mccarthy going got to take a shot at the end zone. If it doesn't work, kick the field goal, go into halftime up 10-7. And McCarthy says, no, 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 hey, ref, ref, hey, come here, ref. Hey, wind the clock down to three. Like, forget giving my quarterback who makes $40 million a year. Forget, uh, forget giving him a shot at the end zone. We'll just take the three. Despite his offensive coordinator not believing him, despite the fact that the playbook, and we saw this in the film last week against San Francisco, is so vanilla, is so predictable, is so... It's easy. Even even Brandon Staley, one of the most clueless head coaches of the league, I thought I actually put together a decent game plan coming off a bye. I didn't think Brandon Staley, as much as he's been a liability, and he's not the coach for the Chargers moving forward, there's no question about that. I didn't think Brandon Staley was the reason the Chargers lost, or even a primary reason he lost. I actually put together a pretty good game plan. Why? Because Mike McCarthy put together a horrendous game plan as it pertains to, to, to uh, again, not putting together creative run plays. CeeDee Lamb, Dak Prescott, and CeeDee Lamb were on the same page often. It wasn't because of good play calling. Dak Prescott having to make plays out of the pocket. He's breaking sacks. He's not turned the ball over. He's taking shots down the field. God forbid. Oh my goodness. He missed a throw at the end to Tony Pollard. Oh my. Okay. Okay. So we can now confirm live and carving it up. We have breaking news. Dak Prescott is human. I cannot believe it. it's it's it's. I I have been. Maybe that's why he's he has a bad game every so once in a while. But that aside as well, with all of those things working against Dak Prescott. Yeah, just chill. You know, he was, uh, led the Cowboys to a game winning drive, threw for over 200 yards, had a pass rating over 100, had a touchdown rushing, had a touchdown uh, passing through the air, was pro football focused, highest ranked quarterback in week six. Uh, and oh, by the way, you know, seven for nine, 105 yards, when pressured, led a game winning drive against the Chargers, against Herbert, against Kellen Moore, with all the pressure in the world on him, without good play calling. With conservative coaching. With poor clock management. With no running game. With the fact that until the last two minutes, the best defensive player of the Cowboys was a no-show, again. You know, they say if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. thing I've always said about Dak Prescott about this whole, is he top 10? Is he elite? Well, I mean, that's pretty elite. And since he came to the league, he's up there in game-winning drives. He's... Consistently in the playoffs, you're in and you're out, and the Cowboys are abysmal offensively when he's out of the lineup. Just check the numbers, getting back to, to 2020. And even last year when Cooper rushed in the lineup, the Cowboys went 4-1. and one, It certainly sure as heck was not because of their offense, because of their defense. Dak Prescott, and this is undeniable, was the single, sole, number one reason the Cowboys won that football game. You have been asking Dak to say, hey, if it's not going well, can you be a quote unquote force multiplier? Can you be the reason that we win? I heard that last week uh, after the Niners game. When the Cowboys win, it's because Dak is like a uh, he's like a puzzle piece, right? He just fits in there. He does his job, and but when they lose, it's because that Dak played bad. Other coordinators like, "Hey, Dak beat us," and he can't. It I heard that narrative last week. With everything working against them, constantly under pressure. No running game. Receivers struggling to separate aside from CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks. Michael Gallup consistently dropping pass after pass. Jalen Tolbert making a boneheaded special teams mistake. And he still won the game. Is Dak Prescott Patrick Holmes? No, nor will he ever be. Or Joe Burrow. Or... Trevor Lawrence, he'll never be those guys. Those guys are, to me, those are the three best quarterbacks of sport. Those are those are guys who you could put just about anything around, and you almost always be competitive. Those three are in a class by themselves. Mahomes, certainly. Mahomes is, is, is the face of the league, of course. But uh, Jalen Hurts, who you guys know I love, bought into Jalen Hurts last season, you know, and Micah Parsons sort of alluded to this in his podcast. That's kind of been the national discussion today. Micah Parsons said, hey, you know, uh, Dak plays great. Crickets. Dak plays awful. Oh, my gosh. He, the Cowboys got to move on. Can't give him an extension. Emmett Smith, the great, the great Emmett Smith, who I have all the respect in the world for. Certainly, it's a higher football luck than I. No question about that. But even Emmett Smith and many others said, "Now I wouldn't give Dak the extension. No, I wouldn't. And, and Emmett didn't take any big shots. Dak, that's his quarterback. That's Cowboys quarterback. But he's like, eh, probably need to go in a different direction. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts throws three interceptions against a Zach Wilson quarterback team, including one that literally cost them the game. If Dak Prescott does that, are we having a different conversation today about him as opposed to the one we had about Jalen? I'm not saying we should rip Jalen all week because we shouldn't. We also shouldn't rip Dak all week as well. For the record, Dak in the last three years, check the numbers. Don't take my word for it. Just check the numbers. Has been better than Jalen Hurts. This year, he's been better than Jalen Hurts. By the way, Brock Purdy, Love Brock Purdy. But when this whole, yeah, Brock Purdy's better than Dak. Yeah, he, he's smarter than Dak. He's got a better, higher football IQ than Dak. He can just trust Brock Purdy more than Dak Prescott. And again, love Brock Purdy. Loved him since the day he stepped in that field back in December against the Miami Dolphins. I'm like, okay, niner got them something here. There's, there's some, I, I like this kid. And he's gotten better and better. Love Brock Purdy. But the absolute second, things weren't absolutely perfect for him. He had a bad game. Absolute second, he was. things weren't perfect. Josh Allen, the turnover man himself. Second straight week for the Bills. They've had a grand total of seven points in the last five minutes of the game. Dak Prescott gets the Giants, you know, in the, in the past. Let's see. He has not lost to the Giants since the Obama administration. If not for a missed pass interference in the end zone, Josh Allen loses to the New York Giants quarterbacks by Tyrod Taylor. My point about this all is, given what he did the other night against the Chargers, given what he did against Justin Herbert, against his old OC, Kellen Moore, who I was lectured was the reason for the Cowboys' offensive of success with Dak. All that. Dak said, no. Hey, hey, guys. Hey, Micah. Hey, hey McCarthy. Hey, everybody. Hey, Cowboys Nation. Just, hey, I got you. I got you. Just get on my back. I can turn the ball over and be smart with my legs, make plays in and out of the pocket, make throws in the pocket, convert on third down, be great in the red zone. I got this. And that's what he tends to do. When the moment's big, win or lose, Dak tends to play pretty well. Forgive him if he maybe doesn't play so great against the most stacked defense in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers, who I did a segment on last week. It was actually last week's edition of Carving Up the Context. Uh, basically no quarterback plays well against them. Not even P.J. Walker, who obviously P.J. Walker is not in Dak Prescott's league, of course. But even P.J. Walker, the Browns win, did not play well. The defense was what won that game for Cleveland. My point in all this is, is, and I knew this would be the case after that Monday night game. Like, let's see if that energy is the same. Not really. There were a few out there. That said, hey, you know what, Dak Prescott played well. Give him his flowers. Give props to him. But most like, yeah, he played good. Uh, but the Chargers, they have that good of a defense. Funny, we didn't do that when Tua played well against them. You notice that? Anytime a quarterback plays well against Chargers, look at that, look at them, look at them making all these throws. As we should for the record. When Dak does it, eh, eh who cares? Yeah, you we know, win in the playoffs, Dak. Well, he can't win in the playoffs. It's it's week six. It's kind of <laughs> hard to do that right now. Hats off to Dak Prescott. He was truly and I mean truly special and undeniably the main reason the Cowboys won that football game. Special teams tried to screw it up with Jalen Tolbert. Some of his receivers, Michael Gallup in particular, tried to screw it up, dropping passes constantly. Mike McCarthy's tried to screw it up multiple times. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Still made it happen at the end. Once again, and I'll put it in the comments here, my, my, my buddy Philip, Rain Dakota Prescott. What a performance. And Philip, who is a Cowboys fan, says, How about them Cowboys? Do we have the, uh, you know what? Actually, you know what though? You know, Philip, with respect, and obviously former Cowboys fan sitting here, uh Steelers uh fan, but always been a Dak fan, always been a Dak fan, and in many cases been the number one person and the only person at times defending Dak. Uh when you look at Dallas, when you look at and, and I'm I'm gonna have to probably backtrack on you know I'm not saying backtrack on them making the Super Bowl I still feel good that, that 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 they can get there I still predict them to win the Super Bowl I'm going to stick with that pick I do believe in pick integrity uh albeit though I do think the Niners have a better roster but you know if you think about Dallas it's like okay I thought the defense would be better and Trayvon Diggs being injured obviously hurt things in a in a big big way big ways one of the best corners in the league but I thought this defense would be better than it was I thought McCarthy would be an upgrade over Kellen Moore. A lot of these factors I thought would come into play. I thought Tony Pollard would be excellent as the number one back. Now in his defense, he is coming off of an injury. But it's it looks like it's all going to kind of come back down to can Dak Prescott carry them. They don't have the roster of Philly. They dang sure don't have the roster of San Francisco. We see that every time those two teams play. I'm not sure they have even the roster of Detroit. They're coming down to Dak. And the other night, whew, man was he good. Let's see. Philip in the comments says, where are those haters at? I can't hear them. Steve- <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, where are you at? Uh, listen, I love Stephen A. Stephen A. is one of the best in the business, and obviously he is uh, very well known for his anti-Cowboys takes. He said before he actually likes Jerry Jones and likes, likes some of the Cowboys players. Uh, I do think he's been overcritical of Dak in the past, but that's okay. Again, it it isn't like Stephen A. is by himself in that class. Uh, many others have. Many people who I even have a lot of respect for, like Stephen A, uh, have, have, have seen it. And, and again, it's Again, Micah Par and we'll get into Justin Herbert in just literally just a second, but Micah Parsons said something on his podcast the other day, which it's it's a it's a good show, by the way. But Micah was saying that that Dak Prescott is held to a different standard or the the Cowboys are covered differently following a loss than other teams are. I think that's a. I think there are two different, uh, two, two two different questions, two different discussions in what Micah said. If Micah is, and Micah could be referring to both. I, I, I don't know. But if Micah is simply referring to the Cowboys, and he mentioned the Cowboys, and then he mentioned Dak. If he's simply talking about the Cowboys and saying that we are covered in a different, different light than other teams are. Is it fair? No, but that is the way it's been way before Micah got there and long after Micah's gone from Dallas. Like, that's how it's going to be. That's how it is for the Lakers. That's how it is for the Yankees, for Duke basketball, for Alabama football, for the longest time, UConn women's basketball. That That is that is the standard uh, of championships and obviously popular players, flashy players a lot of those programs, great coaches and all of those franchises and programs. So that, to me, is a different conversation than covering individual players. Differently, Dak in particular, which Micah is sort of in his own kind of in, uh, kind of embodying To in a certain extent. Except there were no tears in this one. To obviously, we remember the soundbite where he used to talk about that's my quarterback about Tony Romo. But Micah was saying that hey, I, Jalen Hurts has a bad game and it's crickets. I mean, a bad game against, and I love Jalen, but Jalen has a terrible game against the New York Jets. You know, uh, D- Dak has a, an excellent game against Chargers. By the way, Dak also played great against the Jets. Robert Sala was almost correct on the whole. We embarrass other teams' quarterbacks. That's almost true, actually. Even Patrick Mahomes, except Dak Prescott hung 30 on them, had a pass rating over 100, didn't turn the ball over, had multiple touchdowns. But we're not. We're splitting hairs here. We're splitting hairs. But uh, can you imagine, though? Seriously, I'm, I'm not. Just, just hang with me for a second. If Dak threw three picks, scored 14 points against the New York Jets defense, and through the game-ending interception, essentially, Oh my gosh. We would hear about it for a month. Dak got, Dak got crap for a pick six at the end of the game against the Jaguars. It wasn't even his fault. Literally throws the pass, rolling to his left, little sidearm, nice little sidearm throw to Noah Brown. Goes right through his hands, gets picked off, ends the game for the Jacksonville Jaguars who win it over the Cowboys. Other quarterbacks make mistakes. Other elite quarterbacks for the record make mistakes. And I hear this whole, well, but Jalen's been to the Super Bowl. Yeah, so Joe Flacco. Okay, and by the way, Jalen was great in that Super Bowl. He did lose. Just saying. So, and by the way, it wasn't like he had to go through murderer's row to get there, if we're being honest. So, again, we we, we do hold Dak to a different standard. Uh, but, again, back, back to Monday night, he was, I, I don't know what more you could have asked him to possibly do. Against pressure, with no running game, with too conservative play calling, with bad clock management, with a crap ton of penalties. Absolutely spectacular. As for the quarterback he faced, uh, Justin Herbert, I wanted to get him, him into him uh, for just a quick second. Then we'll bring Alfred Parser Jr. on the show to talk Major League Baseball playoffs. Um, It's so great. By, by the way, it's so great to be back live and in-studio. But as for Justin Herbert, so Justin had probably his worst, certainly his worst game of the season. You could argue one of his worst games as a Los Angeles Charger, probably dating back to his rookie year. But if you look at Justin Herbert's numbers this game, again, he struggled against the Cowboys, was under pressure, under duress all night. Had a couple touchdowns, but did have the game-ending interception. Uh, Pass rating a little above average at uh, at 84. QBR solid at 56. Uh, Again, didn't get a whole lot of help from, from his running game either. I think I was thinking about Justin Herbert, who is a guy that I have been I've been high since Justin Herbert, since before the day he walked in the NFL out of Oregon. I said, everybody's talking about Joe Burrow and two in that draft, rightfully so. But I said, we need to start talking about this kid, this number 10, the 6'6 guy from Oregon. I I don't know if I've seen that, this enough physically gifted quarterbacks, uh, at least compared to him relative to what he produced at Oregon with a conservative uh, run first coach there. Okay, I think our mic's back. I think our mic is back uh, on Carving Up Live. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, for, as far as Justin Herbert, I, I've actually thought about a good comparison for him. And it actually involves a quarterback that's still playing today. I think Justin Herbert is this generation's Matthew Stafford. I think he is. This amazing arm town. Now, Herbert's bigger than Matt, like just a bigger, you know, stronger athlete. But Herbert's the type of dude, huge arm, pretty accurate, pretty mobile, is the type of dude who say, hey. You know, get on my back, I can carry you to win, That Stafford did so many years in Detroit. But bad coaching, bad defenses, no running game, kind of played in the end. I think that's kind of where we're at with Justin Herbert, where if you look at his numbers since his rookie year, they haven't really improved that much, which isn't necessarily a terrible thing considering how great Herbert was his rookie year. He's kind of kept a steady pace, but it does start to beg the question, is there an improvement to go? Is he able to elevate into a top five level player? I think he is. I think he has all the physical attributes to, to do that. I think he has all the intangibles to do that. But does he have the physical attributes to be able to do that uh, if you're a Los Angeles Chargers fan the Chargers organization? Uh, I, I think they're in a weird spot where, you know, it, it is obviously coaching changes needed. There's no question about that. But Herbert's starting to remind me of Matt Stafford. Again, not in, a, excuse me, not in a bad way. Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl a few years ago once he got a great coach and a great roster. I think if Herbert gets both, we could have, be having a similar conversation. But until then, uh, rough game for Herbert, but those are due to happen considering the fact that he has an albatross around his neck at head coach, which, again, wasn't a huge problem in this game, and albatross around his neck at offensive coordinator, which is basically every game going to be going to be the, the case. But uh, Herbert played rough, but he, he's starting to remind me of Matthew Stafford. Again, not in a bad way. I kind of feel bad for him uh, in, in that respect. Again, we'll, we'll try and get my regular mic. I'm actually using my, my webcam mic right now. Uh, but joining the show now is uh, a grid network contributor and a very and I want to emphasize this a very happy Jets fan and a big baseball fan. Let's bring on my man uh, to the Carving up line would you please welcome back to the show Alfred Parsar Jr. Alfred how you doing today buddy?
1: great is an understatement.
0: yes. Great, great. Okay, great. Following the Jets. Before I even get into baseball, I do want to ask you about the Jets. Uh, and it's great to have you back on the show to talk baseball, to talk Jets, obviously. Um, I talked about a Monday show that it, it feels like giving we, – we talked about even with Aaron Rodgers, these first six games coming of a season. Like, man, this this early schedule is brutal. You got Kansas City. You got the Eagles, two Super Bowl teams. You got the Bills, all these teams uh, in this stretch – and the Jets come out of it all, all but four snaps with their backup quarterback three and three and a pretty pillowy soft schedule uh, laying ahead. Uh, what's your outlook on the Jets You know, going in, into the future? Do you think that they can
1: be a playoff team this year? Uh, now that we've gotten through the worst, I, I do think that we can be a playoff team. Uh, I feel like our defense is solid. Our defense is our, our anchor, uh, as everybody who follows the NFL knows. And then Zach Wilson in these last three games, if you take a look at him, not turning the ball over. He had more yardage than Mahomes on that Sunday night game. And then uh, he he outplayed Jalen Hurts to everybody's surprise on uh, this past Sunday. And when I tell you that building was electric, uh, MetLife was rocking after that win on Sunday.
0: Oh, yeah, I guarantee it was. I mean, you you were in the building. You're you're there for every home game. And so I can imagine the the atmosphere there. Um, And I said this after... After Zach went down, or I'm sorry, after Aaron went down four snaps in, they obviously got what was a massive win against the Bills, given the circumstances. I said, look, I, I know everybody's going to kind of write the Jets off for dead. Obviously, it's a contender, un- barring the unforeseen possibility of Aaron Rodgers coming back, which again, it's Achilles. I, I don't see that happening, but. I think if you look at if you look at this roster, you look at this defense, which is almost better than advertised. They're playing out of their minds right now. Uh, they did it against Kansas City. They did it against Philadelphia, and they did the week prior against the Denver Broncos. I said, listen, if they get competent quarterback play, I still think this is a playoff team, kind of in a similar sense that that last year's team was. Like if if they play clean football, don't throw the ball over. Uh, you know, Ryan the Ryan the running game with Brees Hall with uh, with with Dalvin Cook, and 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 it's a solid run blocking offensive line, albeit it's not a great pass blocking offensive line. Uh, the, this is a team that could be one of the seven best of the conference right now, sitting here today uh, again y- your thoughts on I, I let me ask you that about this because Robert Sala was talking about how our defense has embarrassed every single quarterback they played this season Dak Prescott's the rare the, is the is the exception but aside from that uh that's that's mostly been the case again even against the great Patrick Holmes and against Jalen Hurts on Sunday uh what is let's just assume Aaron doesn't come back this season because I think that's increasingly unlikely given the severity of the injury
1: what is the ceiling for the Jets this season you know um I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the Jets nine wins this year. I think that I okay. think we could be I think we could be a nine and eight football team. I think that would be enough for a final wild card spot in the AFC um because when I look at the lexicon of, of teams in the AFC um Buffalo will be Buffalo even though they they struggled against a, a terrible Giants team on Sunday. Uh, The Dolphins are, are, are going to be a playoff team if they can keep up that, that, that high octane offense. Um, So I, 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 and then of course, you know, you have, you have the chiefs. Uh, I think the chargers are on that bubble. uh, Despite uh, your comments about uh, uh, Justin Herbert earlier, Uh, I think they'll, they'll eventually get it together. Uh, Kansas city is going to win that division hand in hand. Um, Yeah. So I don't, but I, I, we're not, we're not a division winning team. Obviously, I, I don't believe in Zach Wilson that much. But we'll, we'll, we'll sneak into a wild card. I'm, I'm sure of it.
0: By the way, that schedule I was talking about. So you got the Giants, which is a neutral site game. I have a feeling there's. Obviously, I assume. Will you be there? That's technically a home game for the Giants. Will you be there at MetLife?
1: Uh I'll be there as a fan.
0: There you go. Okay, so still there in the building. Uh, but again, Giants, Chargers, Raiders, Bills, Dolphins. So there's some tough games that stretch, but again, you got Atlanta with Desmond Ritter. Uh, you, you know, the Patriots there at the end of the season. So uh, the Jets are worst-case worst case scenario uh, going to be third. Probably don't finish. I don't know why my mic's giving me problems right now. They probably don't finish uh, ahead of Buffalo, and they certainly don't finish ahead of Miami. But uh, I, I think your Jets are in a pretty solid spot. As for, let's shift now to the Major League Baseball playoffs because I know you're a very passionate baseball fan, passionate Mets fan. Uh, This is, I don't think you're going to love what I'm about to say right here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, Can we just, okay, what did you say on 8 o'clock spot before the Cowboys-Niners game? What did you say the Niners have like a 99%
1: chance? 99.9% chance to win that game.
0: Okay, well, I'll up you point one on what I'm about to say here. The Philadelphia Phillies have a 100% chance to win the World Series. That's the best team left by by Country Mile. With respect, we'll get into the American League Championship Series, Game 3 tonight. With respect to the Rangers and obviously the Astros, the defending champions, uh, this team's on another level in terms of hitting, in terms of pitching, in terms of of obviously hitting for average, getting on base consistently, uh, in terms of uh, game management, they've been excellent. Your thoughts on the Phillies right now? Again, you're a Mets fan, so I can't imagine you like what you're seeing right now, uh, what they're doing right now up 2-0 on the Arizona Diamondbacks.
1: I've been telling everybody that I've discussed MLB playoffs with that it's going to come down to who wants it more, and the Phillies just simply want it more. You could tell in their confidence and their attitude in uh, the way that a lot of those guys like Harper and, and uh, Schwarber and Turner walk up to the plate. Um, you obviously want it more when you walk up to a team and beat them 10 nothing <laughs> in a playoff game. Uh, they, they, they've just been outright dominant since uh, about August. So, I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to, they may win the world series. I think it's a good bet to bet on them to win the world series, but just as much as they've wanted it the texas rangers uh uh, have, have have been just as on fire as the phillies have
0: yeah. Yeah. Texas is playing unbelievable baseball. Actually, I think I've predicted against, I picked against them in the, their first two series and I predicted against them in this one. I think I had Houston and six. I'd have to win out for that to be the case. we got a comment here by my man, Phillip. He says, uh, Bryce Harper's on another level. The Phillies have shocked everyone. This is going to be a good world series. Yeah. They're obviously going to be going. I, I, I don't think anybody, even with respect to the Diamondbacks, they've had a fantastic season given the expectations. They got a very bright future ahead given their young talent, Uh, Corbin Carroll in particular, I, I love that kid. Um, but listen, they're, they're, they're just, we see this often all the time. I always give the example of, I remember years ago, the Indianapolis Colts with Andrew Luck made the AFC title game. That was the defl- hold the flight gate, uh, you know, situation there. Uh, and Tom Brady, the Patriots ran roughshod on them. Like occasionally you will have this situation where a team kind of sneaks in. It kind of surprised everybody. They swept the, the LA Dodgers and then they just run into a buzzsaw team. That's just been there and done that before uh, the Phillies. Again, again, Bryce Harper's playing unbelievable. Kyle Schwarber hit two homers last night. Uh, you got uh, Nick Castellanos. who has got five homers this postseason I mean, get what they're, What they're putting together right now is is exactly what you want to see in October baseball. And, again, this is the second straight year. They're, They're getting hot at the absolute right time. They're peaking at the right time. And uh, again, I had, I think I had Philly in five. I'm still going to stand by that. I think Arizona will get one in this series, but man, this team is absolutely on another level as for the American league championship series. And by the way, game three is, is in an hour and a half Astros and Rangers. uh, This is a must win situation uh, for Houston. I don't anticipate if they lose tonight, they pull uh, a Boston Red Sox and come back from, from Oh three and the New York Yankees back in Oh four. But, Again, your your outlook on this series. So, game two was a was a, a dandy, going back and forth, and the Rangers were able to pull it out at the end. Uh, your thoughts this series? Can Houston still pull it out down
1: 0-2? I think they'll win tonight, only because due to my personal experience, I don't trust Max Scherzer in playoff games uh, after his uh, lackluster uh, Mets pitching performance against San Diego last year in a wild card round. But no, I think Astros take tonight, but that'll be the only game they get this series. There, there. They're gonna be a, a one win and done team. Um it's it's gonna be Rangers Phillies in the World Series. Okay. Oh, I, I feel by, that. Yeah by the way, Jordan Montgomery with his performance in game two. Uh, you could you could quote me now. He is going to be the prized free agent pitcher on the market this offseason.
0: Over Sho- I know Shohei's not pitching next year, but over Shohei?
1: Well, since Shohei's not pitching, I'm not including him in, amongst pitchers. But okay, uh, I, I think Montgomery, and I think he will end up a New York Yankee. So our friend Mike Guido will be very excited to get that man back.
0: I mean, it isn't like that. That or, that organization has a lot to be excited about. I mean, they're you know they're they're, they're, they're the, the the definition of mediocrity. And again, that's you you and Mets. I've always said, folks out there, and I, I know obviously you're a Mets fan, Barry's a Mets fan. Oh, many Mets fans out there. If, uh, you know, obviously, 86 World Series, try. Obviously, I didn't exist back then. I was born in 03, so that I didn't even witness that series and Bill Buckner and all that. But, you know, 86 aside, Mets fans, Red Sox fans, it's like enemy of my, my enemy is my friend. That's and right. I, I, I consider us allies, right? Like, we're always going to pull against the Yankees. I'll never forget. Like, it, it seems like anytime that the, the two teams meet at City Field or at Fenway, there's always the Yankee suck chant always breaks out in the crowd. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see two fan bases coming together with one common belief, one common, you uh, know, opinions. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see. Um as for as for your Mets, there's a lot of organizational change going on right now. Buck Shaw Walter gone, uh general manager for the Mets, I believe, is gone as well. Um what is the what is your outlook on the Mets going into 2024? Because obviously there were some big expectations coming into this season uh that we're not even close to being Mets that them along with the Padres, you know, really kind of fell flat in their face in that regard. Uh your thoughts of the Mets right now what what do you think they need to do to get back into the contention of being a playoff team which they were two years ago?
1: Uh, two things. One, they got to re-sign Pete Alonzo. He's going to be an expiring contract after the uh, 2024. Uh, rumors are he'll either get traded at the deadline if they can't come to an extension prior. Uh, I know there are certain people who want Alonso gone, but a guy who consistently will give you 40 plus home runs and hundred plus RBIs, that's not a guy that you, you want to get rid of. Also, I think they need one more offensive piece. I think the rotation will be solid uh, on paper right now, it's uh, it's going to be led by uh, Kodai Senga, who, if it wasn't for Corbin Carroll's outstanding performance, I think that Kodai Senga would have a chance to be Rookie of the Year this year. But uh, Senga, Senga p- pitched, uh, pitched pretty well. Um, McGill and Peterson came into their own this season. Quintana, after a rough, injury-riddled start, um, he, he settled down and proved to be solid. I can only imagine what a full season he would have produced. But I think the Mets are uh, one or two good more offensive pieces away from contending. I don't even think they get a wild card next year, just the way that uh, baseball is right now. Uh, Of course, the Braves are always going to be the Braves. The Phillies are always a second-half postseason team. And even the Marlins, um, they got better this season and and showed everybody um, that they can contend. So I think it'll be a down year for the Mets. However, I do have one bold prediction. If he can make the roster out of spring training, Ronnie Mauricio is taking home rookie of the year next year. Okay. Okay.
0: I can see that. I, mean, I, I, I like him. He's solid. Uh, by the way, Miami did lose their general manager. So that's, you know, that that's a little bit of a, you know, a, a downgrade for them. Can they find, can they find a, a replacement? So listen, that NL West and obviously the Nationals are in a complete rebuild. We know that, but yeah, you know, listen, the Mets are, uh, it, of course, they're kind of like the, 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 the Nets and the Jets, not to make everything all, all this rhyme, but yeah, you know, kind of like the second fiddle, but now, listen, I, I don't think that there's this. If you're talking about just relative to the city of New York, obviously you're very familiar with. I, I don't think that there's this this massive talent gap, or even heck, this this massive uh, organizational gap in terms of how how well run they are between the Mets and the and the Yankees right now. So they're you know both organizations are a little bit of a, a little bit of a pickle in terms of free agency, in terms of. But I think the Mets are in a better spot in terms of the prospect they have. I absolutely agree with that. They they took the the one kid um uh, was it was Drew Gilbert, I think it was from yep. uh, from the Astros in that trade. Came from Tennessee. I really like him. I think you're gonna love. Him. Him uh, with the Mets. So maybe he's able to get called up next year pulling for him. Um, who do you so real quick, we were talking about Shohei just a second ago, and then I'll ask you your, your World Series pick at this point. Where do you think Shohei ends up, Alfred? Because I don't think he's I don't think he's coming back to the Angels. That seems like it's kind of, I mean, he left, left before the season was even over. We saw multiple instances where the Angels tried to go for it. Uh, at the trade deadline, it didn't work out. And, and he seemed to be pretty frustrated with the organization. I'm hearing Dodgers. I'm hearing my Red Sox. They got their sources come out of Boston saying there's a shot. There's a shot. It happens. Uh, you know, the Mets have been discussed. Where do you think Shohei Otani ends up when it's all said and done this winter?
1: Well, for me using logic, uh, the reason why Shohei signed with the angels when he came from Japan was because Los Angeles has a great Japanese culture, very comfortable, easy for him to fit in. I think he's going to stay in L.A., but he'll end up in Chavez Ravine uh, instead of Anaheim. So uh, I see him as a Dodger. Uh, the Dodgers, they make the postseason every year. Uh, Dave Roberts is doing a great job as far as getting his team to the postseason. I believe they've won the NL West, what, 11 years consecutive now? So, Something crazy, yeah. Yeah, so I could see Shohei in 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 blue and white next season, um, especially because they do need another ace, even though he's not going to pitch next year. The season after, you got to think for the long term. Because I don't think after Clayton Kershaw's uh, dismal performance uh, in the playoffs this season where he got chased out of the out of, out of the first inning by the Diamondbacks, I don't foresee Kershaw with a much longer future in Major League Baseball. So uh, somebody's got to be the next superstar on that team. You couple that with the long-term contracts of Mookie Betts uh, and Freddie Freeman uh, and a lot of those other guys. And um, I, I think uh, Shohei will be a uh, another uh, piece to help them win. So I think if he wants to win, he'll end up going to the Dodgers.
0: And I remember when he suffered the injury to his to his elbow. I came on the show and, and, and said, because there was this weird narrative going around. I think Ken Rosenthal was one of the only people to say out po- point out, like, hey, this is crazy. Uh, what, what people are saying right now, saying, hey, now I'm not going to make Showy Ohtani the first $500 million man just because, oh, he's not pitching next year. That 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 is, to me, the very definition of, uh, of, of you know, sort of winning the battle and losing the war in, in a long-term sense. I mean, the, the, this is a guy who, I mean, we've seen guys come off of multiple uh, Tommy John surgeries. Nate Evaldi with the Texas Rangers. Get my guy in Boston for a while there. Had two, and he's almost, in a weird way, almost been better in a certain sense after the surgery we got it like Get, give credit to some of this, these new technologies. I mean, it's the very reason, not to circle back to your Jets, but it's the very reason some believe Aaron Rodgers might miraculously come back this season. It's just the new and improved technologies uh, show to be back pitching in 25, uh, in 20, and even in 24, he's one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball. So you absolutely give him the $500 million contract. Final question for you, Alfred. So we got two 2-0 series at this point, Phillies over the Diamondbacks, Rangers over the over the Astros. You just said you got the Rangers getting the World Series, uh, and in doing so in, in gentleman's sweep fashion over, over the defending champs, uh, who do you, th- if it does end up being a Phillies Rangers world series, or even if it's a Phillies Astros world series with respect to Arizona, I don't think they have any chance whatsoever to win the series. Uh, do you think Philly wins it all? Or are you picking somebody else? One of the Texas teams
1: as much as it's going to hurt my heart to have these words come out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> the Phillies are going to go all the way. I, I believe so. They just want, it just comes down to who wants it more. And more importantly, Bryce, Bryce Harper, if he can get a ring, It'll solidify his legacy as one of the all-time greats. So uh, I, I think they want to win it for Bryce. Bryce is fired up. Castellanos is hitting bombs left and right. Uh, Schwarber and Turner and, and even uh, Alec Boehm to an extent. And Aaron Nola is w- w- woken up from the grave. So wow. uh, all those guys, uh, they, and Zach Wheeler too. So they're all firing on uh, all cylinders. It's it's clear. Uh, it's clear cut. Uh, no matter who the Phillies play, they're taking it home, I believe.
0: Is is it ninety nine point nine percent clear cut or hundred percent clear cut, Al? Oh,
1: uh, we're gonna go with ninety nine point nine percent, just in case the uh, the point one percent comes back to haunt us.
0: I got that. I got respect that. Listen, I've been notorious for bad baseball picks. I'll never forget, buddy, when you were on the show a couple of years ago, and then we put together a compilation of just all of us making bad playoff. Picks. You know what happens? Listen, baseball is the basement. you you could couple it with football, at least in the in the, in the playoffs. And obviously, baseball it is a series as opposed to football, but man, it, it is. Rare, I shouldn't say rarely, but most of the time in basketball, like Denver Nuggets were the best team all season long. They won the championship. Usually that's how it works. Baseball, it's really not the case. Like it's a, you know, who's hot at the right time? Is your offense working? Is, is your pitching working? And that's what the case right now with Philadelphia, the hottest team in the playoffs right now. Again, with respect to the Rangers, we very well could see a World Series between those two. And uh, yes, and I, I may not be, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I have no, you know, hatred necessarily for Phil, uh, the Phillies. But I, I can't say I care too much for the city of Philadelphia and, and any other professional sports team: Sixers, Eagles, Phillies, heck even the fly. I didn't even watch hockey. I don't like the Flyers. Okay, I don't like any of the Philadelphia sports teams, uh, and I know you obviously, obviously don't as a when, as when a they Mets come, fan. Uh, when,
1: they co- when their fans come to City Field, they're so obnoxious.
0: Oh, I, I, listen, I guarantee it. Alfred, great stuff. Once again, Grid Network contributor. And by the way, climbing up the list in the 8 o'clock spot, he's right on the leader, Barry Grant Jr.'s tail. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be back 8 o'clock spot on Tuesday night at 8 Eastern. And who knows, maybe Alfred will pass Barry if he's able to put together another good performance. But Alfred, always love having you on the show, my man. Take care and uh, hope to have you on maybe during the World Series.
1: All right, Bryson. I'll see you.
0: Yes, sir. Alfred parsar Jr., Grid Network contributor, great, great guy. I love having him on, especially during the MLB playoffs, because you know he—he he, he is the he. Mike Guido, Barry, like i i consider those three, uh, you know, kind of like our our, our three baseball aficionados, baseball extras. I, I consider myself a on the upper echelon of, I don't even want to say casual fan, but I'm not a diehard in that sport the way I am, the NBA, NFL, college football. uh, But obviously, I I think even those who aren't huge baseball fans love the Major League Baseball postseason. Uh, I'm still kind of heartbroken that my preseason pick of Atlanta uh, got knocked out for the second year in a row, by the way, by the Philadelphia Phillies. Man. Yeah, I said, I I don't like it. I know Alfred doesn't like it. A lot of people don't like it. Again, Alfred said 99.9%. I'm going to go with the full triple digits. I'm going to go 100%. The Phillies are winning the World Series. Barring, obviously, knock on wood, nobody suffers any major injuries. The Phillies are winning the World Series. No question about that. All right. Okay, this is. I want to make sure my mic is working. Because again, my mic has been sort of... in – I don't know what's been going on with with the, the technical problems and carving up live for some weird reason. Just goes in and out. Microphone, Wi Fi. Wi Fi has been good today. Again, knock on wood that that continues. Wi Fi has been good. Connection wasn't great when we were when I was in Disney World in Orlando uh, on on, on uh, Friday and Monday shows. It looks like we're good right now. It looks like we're good to go, and hopefully this this maintains for the rest of the show, and hopefully the microphone, uh, which is connecting in and out. I don't know what's going on there. Hopefully that maintains the rest of the show as well. But uh, every Wednesday, and we sometimes will alternate it. It, it, it. We can put it on an occasional Friday show if the story permits or a Monday after a crazy football Sunday. But most of the time, carving up the context precedes Bryson's Best 10 on Wednesday. That is the case this week, and we, we've got a good one. So we had... A United States senator, and for the record, before I even get into that, I ninety nine point three percent of my shows do not cover politics in any way, shape, or form. Like I'm not going to come up on carving up live, and after a Tom Brady, I'm sorry, after a Patrick Mahomes game, talk about health care and immigration. I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't don't touch that stuff. I follow it. There's no question. I follow politics like crazy, but this is a sports show, so I mainly, uh, you know, do talk about sports. But there, there is the rare instance. In which a and you know, we were t- we were told people like myself and certainly athletes stick to sports. We don't want to hear your political opinions, and then we hear people in politics give their opinions on sports. So it's very hypocritical, I must say. And not everybody in politics holds that belief, but but some do. One of them being, well, before I even get to him, give me my theme music, carving up the context, and here we go. <laughs> Carving up the context this week, and we've got a good one for you. So, West Virginia Senator of the Democratic Party, Joe Manchin, was talking the other day about NIL, Name, Image, and Likeness for College Athletes. And this has been a topic of conversation I'll never forget. The very first month of my show, all the way back in October, or might have been November at that point of 2019, I was talking about how James Wiseman, you know, uh, currently at the Detroit Pistons, played back in Memphis, played briefly for the Memphis uh, Wildcats back in college basketball, and then Chase Young, who's now with the Washington Commanders, played for Ohio State. Both of them with a second pick in their respective drafts in 2020, both incredible talents in college, were suspended for ridiculous reasons regarding uh, not you know s- certain uh, stipulations that. The NCAA didn't allow them to, like in the case of James Wiseman, they didn't want his family to move to Memphis. In the case of, of Chase Young, it was like something about how he paid for his girlfriend to come down to watch him play in the Rose Bowl. It's crazy, crazy stuff. And finally, a couple of years ago, the Supreme Court uh, said, I believe unanimously, 9-0, said that, hey, college athletes can make money off of their name, image, and likeness, which this is literally the definition of capitalism. Even one of the court's most conservative justices, a uh, guy by the name of... Uh, of uh, uh oh my gosh, forgetting his name. Uh shoot, blanked on him. What's his name? Uh, Supreme Court Justice was confirmed a few years ago. Uh oh my gosh, what's his name? Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh was uh was talking and saying that hey, in any other business, what is going on with these athletes would be completely unconstitutional. It would just be flat out wrong. This would not worse. It'd be illegal in every other business for the athletes, in this case, the athletes, to be doing the majority of the work. Obviously, coaches are as well respect coaches, but athletes doing all this work and they are not getting a penny and not allowed to make a penny for that matter. Well, Joe Manchin holds a different belief. Joe Manchin, Democratic Senator West Virginia, was saying that, quote, (laughs) it's getting hard to root for the kids when they're multimillionaires as freshmen and sophomores. Oh, yes, it is so difficult to root for somebody making money for their own merits, don't you say? Um, so what I think is hilarious about this, and I've said this about anybody who has opposed NIL, and for the record, do I think there should be regulations on NIL? Sure, yeah. Listen, I, I don't think it should just be a free-for-all necessarily, but I also think if I'm... Well, if I'm a Caleb Williams and I am literally the face of college football or I'm Shador Sanders and I'm one of the faces because of my dad and because of my own production and Colorado getting all this attention and whatnot, if I'm one of these star or superstar college athletes, again, college football is the big money maker, but college basketball as well, women's college basketball, people like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, uh, Haley Van Lith, like athletes like that, sure, they should be allowed to make money for their own merits. You know, it's I think it's funny. It's hard to root for athletes when they're making all these millions of dollars as freshmen and sophomores. Interesting, considering the fact that uh, the coaches, who are huge, I mean, ask Alabama fans how, how, how much they like Nick Saban. Okay, as a Vols fan, love Josh Heupel. We were just going through coaches like crazy. We finally found our guy, Josh Heupel. He's the man. Tennessee, we got our, our finally our replacement for the great Philip Fulmer, College Football Hall of Famer. Ask, uh, ask Ohio State in the brief time they had Aaron Meyer how much they like him. Ask any of these organizations, any of these programs, ask their fan base how they feel about these all-time great coaches. Of course, they feel great about them. They love them. You know, these head coaches have been making 10, 12, in some cases 15 large for their efforts, for their coaching, and for their recruiting. As they should. No doubt about it. But the second these athletes, the absolute second these athletes say, hey, can we have a slice of the pie? NCAA, by the way, still says no. NCAA and this often gets gets misconstrued and it gets uh, mistaken. The NCAA does not pay these athletes. They don't pay them a dime, despite the fact that the athletes bring in all this money for them. It is uh, let's let's use an example. Let's say a local a local athlete from a local college uh, said you know hey I, I, you know look, like I'm playing well and a local burger joint said you know what we want you to advertise our brand we want this athlete uh, let's say John Smith just throwing out a generic name John Smith no with all due respect I know somebody named John Smith shout out to him and shout out to all John Smith's out there but John Smith uh, we want him on a billboard on 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 uh, the interstate and in our local town holding a burger or wearing a t-shirt with our name on it. And saying, uh, you know, like like Jimmy Johns or something, something like that, and saying we want him to advertise our brand because he'd be good for our brand. He brings it's good marketing. That's who pays the athletes. That, that, that's who that's that that's who pays them. Angel Reese is making a ton of money in 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 um in NIL. Caleb Williams, Shador Sanders, all these athletes are as they absolutely should. But you have Joe Manchin who oh, we don't like this. It's a, they're so hard to root for. Oh my goodness, these spoiled. By the way, it isn't like they're being handed this money. It's you know, I mean, again, Caleb Williams is bringing in millions upon millions of dollars in ticket sales. I mean, check USC and by the way, Lincoln Riley deserves credit for that as well. But you know, check USC's roster and ticket sales and see if boosters, USC boosters, felt great about where the program was at. See if USC fans felt great about where the program was at before Caleb Williams and before before Lincoln Riley got there uh, to Los Angeles to Southern California. And tell me how much money they were making then, as opposed to what they are what they're making now. Uh, And that goes for just about every program. Ask, you know, Colorado fans how they feel about Deion Sanders and Shador Sanders and all these Colorado players, Travis Hunter, uh, you know, making the money that they're making and bringing them to a position of relevance and of notoriety. Uh, And by the way, the same could be said about LSU women's basketball, about Iowa women's basketball, the whole bit. This just putting off the fact that, uh, you know Joe Manchin, a public servant of the state of West Virginia, and serving in the United States Senate, uh, just so happens to live on a sixty-five-foot boat in Washington D.C. By the way, it's uh, you know I, I read this. Uh, experts, this is according to USA Today. Experts have said it's not quite swanky enough to qualify as a yacht. i have just you know it's so it's I, I gotta I gotta admit you know it's it's hard to root for a senator. Who, who's living on, on, on a boat and, and making this money from the hypocrisy is beautiful. But you consider the fact that these politicians are making all this money from uh you know, you consider people making money from the NRA, or people making money from other political donors, but God forbid an athlete for his own or her own merits make a little something, something totally legitimate money for their efforts. Isn't that funny? So what Joe Manchin said, and some, not many, I think the honestly, I think the majority of the countries like, yeah, you know what, they should make money. You know, some people disagree on whether there should be regulations. I think there should be regulations. But I've always, from the beginning of my show and even before that, I've been very passionate about. Man, if I'm going out there and selling tickets and selling out stadiums and and balling and I'm in the Heisman discussion, this is talking about college football, obviously, or in the NCAA tournament, men's or women's uh, basketball, I'm bringing notoriety and relevance to my programs. And I, w- I want to make a little money. Yeah, I, I think there should be. I, I I think I should have the right to do that in America in a capitalist society. I think I I should have the. Yeah, I think I should have the right to do that. But, um, you know, people like Joe Manchin and other politicians, he's not the only one who can say this, but other politicians making money from from donors and for their political campaigns and to live a pretty swanky lifestyle. Not all of them, not all of them, but the ones who've been there for decades. You know, get to live a pretty nice lifestyle while, for the record, not accomplishing much of anything for the good of the American people. Isn't that funny? I love, and politicians are really good, they're really bad about this, I should say, how we... Hold and I remember talking about this with with Live Golf that we got mad at the golfers for going to Live Golf more than we did for our own United States government being in business, doing you know, being uh, Saudi Arabia being one of our biggest trade partners, uh, for the longest time, despite the fact that they basically funded 9 11. Uh, we we don't get on the politicians for that, we give the golfers crap for. Isn't that funny? I, I think it's, I don't know, it's very interesting how that sort of parallels not all tides end. In. Interesting. All right. That's it for carving up the context. I just, I just saw that from, from one of our United States senators. I'm like, boy, the, there's a lot of hypocrisy behind this. You know what I'm saying? A lot of hypocrisy. Let's get to the comments here. Let's see. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, Marcy Chica. I hope I'm Please correct me if I'm wrong. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, but uh, says uh, Caleb Williams is in a Wendy's commercial. Angel Reese is with Reebok. Let these kids earn money for their talents. Their talents make the school's money. The schools sell replica jerseys of student athletes and other memorabilia with their likeness memorabilia rather with their likeness and the students see nothing from it. Politicians get paid for the tax by the taxpayers, the public. The athletes are getting paid by Fortune 500 companies. Uh, big difference. As a full time college student, athlete, these players have no opportunity to earn money because they have no time for even part time jobs. Endorsements should be allowed. Yeah. And that, that that's the funny thing. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, you make some interesting points in there. And look, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of hypocrisy behind this. You know, we, we, we don't, I shouldn't say we, I think a lot of people do get mad with, stuff that goes on behind the scenes of politics from a, from a financial perspective, from a compensation perspective uh, in order to say certain things, uh, whether it's to to please their constituents, whether it's to please donors, whatever the case may be. Um, but you know, athlete makes a little, little, little something for playing well, bringing their program, a lot of money again, again, the NCAA does not pay them. So that was interesting. That's all. All right, away from again, last thing then we'll move on. this is what I always and I don't want I don't want slander I'm not not slander I don't want to misquote or or if if Joe Manchin has ever said anything in the past regarding athletes speaking on politics, but i I, I love how. I love how so many out there have said that, hey, they shouldn't they shouldn't talk about this. You know, it's it, we just stick to sports. Like, we just only want to hear your opinion about sports. Your opinion on politics, despite the fact that you're an American citizen, means nothing. All right, we don't want to hear what you have to say. But uh, politicians get to talk a lot about the sports and a lot about the athletes making the money or trashing an athlete if they have an opinion, right or left for the record, that disagrees with theirs. Interesting. That's all I say. Uh, this also again, Marcy cheek. I hope I, again, I never want to mispronounce anybody's name correctly. Uh, says, uh, God forbid one of these athletes get hurt before turning pro. They'll never earn any money. Absolutely. 100%. If knock on wood, one of these great athletes, I mentioned Caleb or angel Reese or, or, or Caitlin Clark, any of these athletes, door Sanders, if they were to God forbid, go down with a career ending injury. And that seems far more likely in football than with basketball, of course, and all that, all those millions of dollars they brought in for, for USC or for Colorado, for LSU or for Iowa, and they see absolutely no compensation whatsoever for it. Marcy Chica, NCAA is all amateur sports, but they have several huge television deals. Well said. Yes, multi-million dollar deals with ESPN, with CBS. By the way, all for it. Just don't say you're amateur sports, okay? Come on now. Don't say, like, this whole student-athlete thing. Man, uh, Zion Williamson, if Zion Williamson could have went straight to the NBA, you think he wouldn't have. Well, of course, Zion didn't want to stay at Duke because he loved the experience at Duke, but if your typical run-of-the-mill, number-one overall pick, blue-chip prospect, went to Duke, went to North Carolina, or went to Kansas or Kentucky or one of these blue-blood schools— and it went there for a year. Do you think that person's going to college to get a college degree? Nothing wrong with getting a college degree. Like, a lot of these people do go back and get their college degree, whether it's in a promise to their parents, whether it's a promise to themselves, whether whatever the case may be, like, they want to get their degree. Steph Curry finally got his Davidson degree a couple of years ago. Like, props to these athletes for doing that. I absolutely commend that. Their job is to capitalize on the athletic talents they have right now. You can always go back in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, in their 80s and get their college degree. But you can't play sports at that age. You can't capitalize on your, your prime ability of your talents at that age. You got struck while the iron's hot, and what nils allowed athletes to do is do that. Is to profit off of their own uh, name, image, likeness, and their efforts, and their and their productivity. It's just I, they're, they're so especially especially coming from a a multi-term politician in the United States Senate. It is rich. It is rich coming from people like that. But that is this latest edition of Carving Up the Context. We'll move on from the political realm. Again, when, when when they say to stick to sports, okay, I'll stick to sports. If you stick to politics, of course, that's never the case. So it's a it's tit for tat. It's, it, it's, it's fair. Fair game after that. Let's move on now. Every Wednesday, again, do Carving Up the Context on Wednesdays, most of the time on Wednesdays, but certainly every Wednesday, we do Bryson's Best 10. And so little, let's get the background music going because we have a lot of shakeup in Bryson's Best 10 this week coming into week seven. Uh, we've got a good one. So let's start uh, with the 10th best team in the NFL, in my view. And this hurts for me to say because the team within my favorite team's division, the AFC North, but it's the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Happy, happy Cleveland. Happy Browns fans. Browns are at number 10. So reason the Browns are at number 10 is this. So again, they have used three quarterbacks this season uh, thus far. It is again, the, the, dysfunction in Cleveland regarding Deshaun Watson's injury, which was still a major sort of mystery. Like, what's the shoulder? Like, it seemed like he was cleared to play a couple weeks ago. Now he hasn't practiced. I mean, it's a very, very weird situation regarding Deshaun, regarding his health. But last week, facing the 49ers with one of the best defense in the NFL, the Browns are. You, by the numbers, they're the best defense in the NFL since the freaking purple people eaters, Vikings, in the 70s. Okay, so Miles Garrett, I, I talked about on, on Monday's show. He reminds me, again, This is, I hope I'm not, like struck by lightning for blasphemy or anything of that nature, but when you consider what Miles Garrett is able to do from a physical standpoint, he reminds me of Reggie White. Reggie White so often made great left tackles or great tackles in general look like high schoolers. I mean, he just take him and throw him to the ground. Against Trent Williams, who, if he retired today, would go to the Hall of Fame. Miles Garrett embarrassed the dude time and time again on Sunday. This Browns defense is phenomenal. This Browns offense, again, now they're dealing with injuries. Uh, you got Kareem Hunt now hurt, but you still got Amari Cooper. You still got David Njoka, who, God bless him, is playing through, through Burns uh, right now. So hats off to him. They're so coming through. They've got good weapons, and that defense is absolutely special. It's the only defense to me in the AFC that is on par with my Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cleveland Browns, the 10th best team in the National Football League, sticking in the AFC North again, still not my Steelers. We're not in the top 10. Okay, we're defense is awesome. Offense sucks. But to number nine, the ninth best team in the NFL is the Cincinnati Bengals. And here is why if you are a Bengals fan, you cannot feel happier coming off of that week six win against the Seattle Seahawks. Here's why. So I talked about after they started 1-3, they got blown up by the Tennessee Titans. I said, the Bengals are not dead. Some people said Bengals season is over. I said, I'm not, not ready to say that yet. But with Joe Burrow, with the calf injury, it's a problem. I said, rest him the next two weeks. Beat Arizona without Burrow. Lose to Seattle without Burrow. And then in two weeks, bring him back to the Niners game healthier. Oh, it's actually better. Joe Burrow is getting healthier by the week. Joe Burrow beat the Arizona Cardinals. We expected that to happen and play great for the record in that game. But then against the Seattle Seahawks, and I, I get it, the Bengals' offense didn't look great, but the main, 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 main thing for the Bengals, Joe Burrow looks healthy. T. Higgins will be coming back after the bye. Joe Burrow will be even more healthy two weeks from now. And this defense for Cincinnati, we talk about how more in Kansas City later. Obviously, they're up in Bryce's best 10. Kansas City's defense, this is the best that they've had in the Mahomes era. I could argue in the three, four years that Joe Burrow has been in Cincinnati, this is the best defense they've had in Cincinnati since he's been there. Uh, You got guys like like uh like hendrickson hubbard and and the linebackers logan wilson have played out of their minds right now the secondary has been good despite uh some injuries despite losing some guys in free agency i like where cincinnati's at right now i'm not saying they're gonna beat the niners in two weeks although i wouldn't put it past him uh joe burrow looks healthy which the only chance for the Bengals to compete given how bad their offensive line is and given the somewhat liability uh that they have at head coach with zach taylor if joe's healthy and ready to go you have a chance he's one of those guys if he's healthy you have a chance to win every single game that you play. Not saying the Bengals will, of course, but they're in a great spot coming into in week seven in their by and going to week eight next week in that big game against the Niners. The Bengals, the ninth best team in the NFL. At number eight, they fall a lot from last week. From number three to number eight, it is the Philadelphia Eagles, and here is why. So a lot of people are filling in their top five. I understand that. I said a Monday show, and I firmly believe this. Two months from now, it's October 18th today. So in December 18th, we will know who this Philadelphia Eagles team is. We will know who they are because seven of their next eight games, it is a brutal stretch coming up ahead for Philadelphia. So they've got the Dolphins, the easy game, so to speak, in the stretches Is the Commanders at the Commanders, who beat them last year, came that close to beating them again this year. It's a little bit of a matchup problem for Philadelphia. Then they have the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks. I mean, this is a brutal seven to eight game stretch for the Philadelphia Eagles coming up over the next two months. If they're able to get out of that stretch five and three, six and two, book it. They're going to be a team that's, that, that competes for a Super Bowl uh, for the NFC uh, title at the very least and probably win their division over Dallas when it's all said and done. But Jalen Hurts is not playing good football. He's And I love Jalen. For the first six games, he is objectively playing bad, turnover-prone football, seven picks, one fumble loss through the first bit of the season. Uh, th- this running game for Philadelphia, they did—they did, they kind of abandoned it against the Jets, which was re- weird. DeAndre Swift only with 10 carries. Lane Johnson's hurt, which is a big concern for them. And this defense, I keep saying this, the back end of this Eagles defense, in the, if they play a great quarterback, it can be had. It can be exposed. And they play again. They play some great quarterbacks the stretch. They play Tua, Dak twice. They play Josh Allen. They play Patrick Mahomes. They play Brock Purdy. They play, I don't think Geno Smith's a great quarterback. He's a darn good one. And all these teams, most of these teams at the very least, have excellent wide receiving cores. Eagles in a little bit of trouble, but... but. I still have to give respect to the roster. I still believe Jalen can turn around, and I still love Philadelphia's offensive line running game. The Eagles, this is the eighth best team in the NFL. At number seven, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Duval, I believe this, this might be their, their highest or their second highest ranking on Bryce's best ten this season. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the seventh best team in the NFL, and here is why. Trevor Lawrence, everybody overreacted at the first three games. Oh my gosh, numbers aren't great. And yeah, that's because his receivers had a bad case of the drops. Through The last three games, this three-game winning streak for Jacksonville, their offense has been sensational, uh, scoring uh, you know over 30 points on a, on a relatively consistent basis. Trevor's playing outstanding football. Travis Etienne is arguably the best player on the Jacks offense, minus or if you take Trevor Lawrence and put him to the side. And what I love about Jacksonville, and I love Doug Peterson, he's an excellent coach, What I love about Jacksonville is this defense seems to be finding its way a little bit. Okay, The secondary's playing good opportunistic football. They're taking the ball away. They're getting to the quarterback consistently. Gets a decent Colts offensive line on Sunday. And again, divisional familiarity. They consistently got to to Gardner Minshew. Uh, This Jags team, I I said before the season I had Trevor as my MVP and the Jags losing to Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. I don't know necessarily about Trevor winning MVP, although I'm not going to move off that because I don't think there's a clear favorite today. I think Trevor can can swoop in and kind of take that lead sooner rather than later. But I love With this Jacksonville team's at. It's it's got youth defensively. They're hungry defensively. They're getting better every single single week, uh, which is a big plus for them. And this offense, Calvin Ridley, Travis Etienne, you've got Zay Jones, you've got Evan Ingram, and you've got Trevor Lawrence, man, the ship, man. You're always, always, always in a position to win football games every single week. The Jaguars, who are going to play tomorrow, and I'll predict their game in just a second against the Saints, are the seventh best team in the National Football League. At number six, they only move up a spot despite their win. It is the Dallas Cowboys. They still are not my top five, and here is why. So I picked Dallas to get to the Super Bowl and lose to Kansas City before this year started. I said I thought this defense would be among the best in the NFL. In some metrics it has been, but there's some excuse me, there's some red flags regarding Trayvon Diggs' injury. Micah Parsons has a bad tendency at despite how great he is. To kind of disappear in some games. Uh, the secondary without Diggs has gotten exposed a little bit, and I do not love their linebacking cores whatsoever. I think it's the weakness of their defense. Offensively, offensive line ain't great. Uh, aside from CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, their receiving core is incredibly limited. And Tony Pollard simply, and in, in, in his defense, he's coming off of a, 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 a brutal injury coming off of last year's playoff run against the 49ers. But Tony Pollard has not been that great through the first part of the season. And Mike McCarthy has not been the upgrade that I thought he would be at play calling. But... CeeDee Lamb is spectacular. He's one of the 10 best receivers of the sport. Dak Prescott, who had one of the best quarterback games of 2023, was awesome against the Chargers given the circumstances, just in general, even not minus the circumstances, played excellent. Dak's one of the 10 best quarterbacks of the league. Micah Parsons, one of the five best defensive players in the league. Um, I, I could see Dallas being aggressive and maybe going after a receiver uh, to kind of shore up that unit in uh, before the trade deadline, potentially going after a corner as well. To, you can't fill Trayvon Diggs' place. He's an elite player. Is the reason he's making as much money as he's making, but to put opposite Trayvon Diggs, put Deron Blam back in the Slot. He's play well on the outside, so maybe you maybe you take a nickel corner. You trade for a nickel corner to put on the inside on the slot guys. Uh, but Dallas says, listen, they're four and two. They're going the buy. They've got momentum defensively. They certainly have the upside there. Offensively, it's literally Dak or bust uh, in in a large sense. And last week it was it was Dak. Like he was spectacular against the Chargers. But for that reason, I only put the Cowboys up one spot from where I had them. I guess it, I, I, again. Six games in, it's not as good of a team as I thought it'd be, but I did know their three best players, Dak, Lamb, Parsons, would all be great. They all are. The Cowboys are the sixth best team in the NFL. To the top five, at number five, they do not move a spot at all. It is the Miami Dolphins. So I know Miami... Obviously, they blew out the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Some have had Miami higher up on their on, on their power rankings list or top 10, whatever the case may be, or their tiers, you know, wherever they got them. I've got them at five. So, again, this following that blowout loss to Buffalo, which did raise some red flags, particularly in the defensive side of the ball, I said, look, this is these next two games are going to get right. They're going to get their momentum back. They're going to blow out the Giants at home. They're going to blow out the Panthers at home. They did both. Uh, now, I did – stupidly take the the, the the other teams and the points. Uh, I was wrong on both. Carolina you know, got off to a 14-0 star, so again, I do think there's some g- legitimate concerns defensively. However, Jalen Ramsey ahead of schedule, as most, most great athletes in their prime are coming off of serious injuries. It looks like Trey uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey should be back sooner rather than later. Tua has been statistically the best quarterback in football this year. Uh, he's been accurate. He's been on time, on target. Mike McDaniels in the running for coach of the year, and Tyree Kill's been absolutely, well, Tyree Kill. He's the cheetah. He's the best receiver in the right now with respect to the injured Justin Jefferson. I love Miami's weapons. I, I'm really skeptical about Miami's defense. Can they get right? We'll see. They've got the pieces too, so, and they've got, I think, the coaching too, but this off this Dolphins office can score any defense in the National Football League. Uh, if they face Cleveland, I don't know if the, the, the Dolphins face the Browns this season, uh, but listen, I like where they're at. They've got a big test coming on the road at, uh, at Philadelphia, but that's a bad secondary, a bad back end of the secondary, at least at the middle of the secondary regarding their safeties. Tua and Tyreek and Waddle could potentially expose that I like where the Dolphins are at right now. They're absolutely one of the best teams in the AFC. As a matter of fact, I think they are the uh, you know I think they're in that discussion to potentially be the best team in the AFC. If you take out um, if if you take out the Kansas City Chiefs, I love where the Dolphins at. To me, right now, they are the fifth best team in the National Football League. If we move now to number four, the fourth best team in the National Football League. Again, this hurts to say because it's an AFC North team, but I love what I've seen from them through the first six games. The fourth best team in the NFL is the Baltimore. Ravens, And here is why. So a lot of people overreacted after that loss to my Steelers, which I'm glad we got the win. Pittsburgh, stand up here. Great, you know, come off the bye week. But listen, as a Steelers fan, I can objectively say if Baltimore catches three or four of the seven passes that they dropped, they beat my Steelers. Lamar was awful in the final four minutes of that game. Great through the first 56 as receivers couldn't bail him out. This week against the Titans, Lamar put on a clinic. Okay, Lamar, in terms of rushing the football, accuracy throwing the ball down the field over the middle and in short yardage situations, this Ravens defense looks better and better by the week. I understand they played an offensively limited Tennessee Titans team, but you know, they, they seem to, to pick on the bad teams. And even, by the way, Lamar against the Browns defense that completely held the brought Purdy and the Niners' offense in check. Lamar Jackson went up and down the field on that defense, on the road for that matter. So Lamar's in a great spot. Lamar is one of the best quarterbacks in football, uh, flirting with top five territory. This Ravens' run game, as it consistently is, even with the change in OC, is good. They seem to be kind of finding their offensive identity, which can be a bit of a struggle through the first month, month and a half, whenever you have a new offensive coordinator. They seem to really be finding a good, balanced offensive attack. Uh, and defensively, the Ravens, that that's their brand. They always have great defenses. Uh, Roquan Smith is playing unbelievable football. I really like where the Ravens are at. To me, they are the fourth best team in the National Football League. At number three, they fall a couple of spots. I had them at number one since week two. But at number three, I've got the San. San Francisco 49ers, and here's why. So San Francisco dealing with injuries now to to Christian McCaffrey and to Debo Samuel, bringing reports say there's no serious damage. Looks like they'll be back sooner rather than later, which is great news for the Niners and their fans. But, but, you come into this one as a a 9.5-point favorite, you're flying high, and could you argue certainly, uh, or could you make the case that the Niners are in a spot where they beat Dallas on national TV, beat them badly, beat the brakes off of them, and maybe they start to feel themselves a little bit. We've seen this with Miami and Buffalo. We've seen this with Dallas and Arizona. We've seen this with a lot of great teams flying high Buffalo against Jacksonville, although Jacksonville is an elite team. Uh, no question about that but we've seen them teams kind of get in over their heads. You could argue that's the case with the Niners. Brock Purdy had by far his worst game as a pro against the Cleveland Browns defense. Uh, again, a lot of credit goes to Cleveland in that regard, but they struggled to run the football after, after Christian McCaffrey went down defensively. They, they were bad situationally late game against PJ Walker, no disrespect to PJ Walker, but he's not exactly, we're not exactly going to mistake him for an elite quarterback or even a starting quarterback. Uh, again, no Nick Chubb, no, again, no Deshaun Watson. Again, I'm not a big Deshaun guy, but he's better than PJ Walker. Uh, no key offensive pieces, no right tackle Conklin. Uh, so they, they were missing key offensive pieces in Cleveland, and still, yet, and still, uh, they 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 beat the Browns again. They they were the better team, even or they beat the Niners. Uh, or Browns beat the Niners rather. Uh, they're the more physical team up front. A very physical Niners team got beat up front by this Browns defense. Uh, listen, I think I think San Francisco can bounce back. I still believe they're the, the, the best roster in the NFL. I really like where they're at as a team. Uh, but then, listen, this is an opportunity for them to kind of lick their wounds a little bit. They come out of this game a little bit beat up, but they're still in a spot where they can still get the one seed in the NFC. They're absolutely going to win the NFC West. There's no question about that. And I still, I'm not going to just waver on Brock Purdy. I'm not finicky. I'm not just going to move off a guy because he had a bad game. Brock Purdy's human. He had a bad game. He'll move on and he'll have bigger and better games in the future as will this Niners team to be the, the third best team in the national football league. Another team that does not move at number two, it is the Kansas city chiefs, the defending super bowl champions who have been at number two since week two. So, Again, last week was a take care of business game against the Denver Broncos. They won kind of an ugly game, although you know most Thursday night games are ugly. Nineteen to eight. Uh, this Kansas City defense again has not held. Has has not. Uh, given up more than twenty points in any of their games this season. You say, well, Detroit scored twenty-one. Yeah, seven of those came off a Patrick Mahomes pick-six in Week One. So this Kansas City Chiefs defense is unbelievable. Again, it is the best in the Mahomes era. The Chiefs, by the way, today traded for Michael Hardman, bringing Michael Hardman back. We know the success he had with Mahomes, so he's familiar with that offense. He's familiar with Andy Reid. He's familiar with Mahomes. You add him back with with, uh, with Taylor Swift's boyfriend, who's an excellent player. We know, uh, no question about that. This Chiefs offensive line is one of the best in football, but this defense, man, just week after week. I know it's I know it's rust in the Broncos' offense, and you. Maybe put a little asterisk next to it, but listen, Russ actually had some pretty good games against Kansas City last year. Some rare good games uh, for Russell last year against Kansas City in what was an awful season for him. But this Chiefs defense, this Chiefs secondary is amazing. The pr- props are Brett Beach, the general manager in Kansas City, for hitting on all, all those picks. This pass was good. Chris Jones has been an absolute monster since coming back from his brief holdout. Uh, Kansas City's in a great spot. There. I still think they're the favorites, not just to win the, win the AFC, but to win it all. To me, right now, though, they're the second best team in the NFL. And that leaves number one for the first time on Bryson's best 10 the best team in the NFL it is the Detroit Lions I didn't get the chance to play this on Monday after they beat the uh beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers let's play the sound by Dan Campbell how we feeling kneecap 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 Man, I'll tell you what, I'm loving what I'm seeing from the Lions right now. I have believed in this team to get to the conference title game since before the season started. I don't know what there isn't to like right now. So the main concern from those who might have been skeptical about the Lions, they, they, was, they, they would have said, hey, this Lions offense is one of the best of football. Sure, but uh, we don't trust them defensively. They had a bad year last year. That's not a problem now this year. Lions are top eight in the NFL in terms of scoring defense. They're top four in the NFL in scoring offense. Jared Goff is playing outstanding football very much, at least right now. In the MVP discussion, uh, this despite injuries to to running backs to Jordan Montgomery, Amon or St. Brown, and a big time performance against a great Tampa Bay defense. Again, this we talk about Kansas City's defense is excellent. Detroit is like, hey, you know, w- w- we're in a spot where we're five and one, we're tied for the best record in the sport. Our one loss was an overtime to a very good Seattle team. We beat Kansas City on the road. We beat a hot Buccaneers team on the road. A Buccaneers team coming off a bye, healthy beat the brakes off of them uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball. Aiden Hutchinson's playing out of his mind right now. This Lions secondary has been great. They're well coached. Ben Johnson is going to be the number one guy next year's head coaching cycle. He's going to be in, getting interviews all over the place. Uh, this Detroit Lions team, again, golf's playing great. Running game's great. Offensive line is out, is outstanding. Receiving core is excellent. Defense is tremendous. Top 10 in the NFL. Flirting with top five in the NFL with how Aiden Hutchinson in the secondary playing right now. Alex Anzalone uh, playing great as well. They're well coached. Uh, Dan Campbell has built culture in Detroit Ben Johnson is a brilliant offensive coordinator uh, again I have not through six games this season seen a better football team again this is what we're doing here who's the best team in the NFL not who we think's going to win the Super Bowl who's the best team it's been the Detroit Lions objectively they are the best team in the National Football League those are never never thought those words would ever come out of my mouth in my life Detroit is the best team in football but man they look great I mean they look great right now Love it, love it, love it. So, got some comments. Patrick Brown, uh, this is his favorite saying right there. Broncos country, let's cry. Great. Uh, glad to see you back live. Thank you so much, Patrick. Great to, to see you as well. By the way, Patrick wrote a piece for the Grid Network's uh, uh, website about the Denver Broncos and about Russell Wilson, Sean Payne in particular. I highly encourage everybody out there to check it out. It's on the Grid Network's website. Um, it's in the link is in the grid networks, uh, Instagram bio, uh, on social media. So check it out. Great piece by Patrick props to you, my man. I appreciate the compliment. Uh, again, that's, that's his saying though. Yeah. Cause again, Broncos country, let's ride is what Russell said a year ago. And so Patrick's turned into Broncos country. Let's cry. And Pro- Broncos country's going through it right now. I feel bad for him. Patrick says jets trading me Hardman back to Kansas city. Yeah. Again, I, I love the move for Kansas city. I still think they probably need to make a move and go out and get another guy. Again, Denver's not going to trade Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton to Kansas They're They're not going to trade a team in division, but but I love uh I love what I'm seeing right now from Kansas City offseason moves. By the way, it looks like they're gonna bring Frank Clark back. Frank Clark was successful in Kansas City. Uh, Marcy Chica says Eagles lost to the Jets where they started a fourth stringer and a practice squad signee in their defensive backfield. Eagles are an overrated team. Well, there's certainly their record doesn't quite indicate where they are right now. Again, like I said, seven, the next eight games, a, a two, two months from now, when's that eighth game for Philadelphia? Because again, I mentioned the stretch. They got the Dolphins. Wait, okay. Where's Philly's schedule? Okay. They got the Dolphins, Commanders, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, Seahawks, so, okay, that, that Seahawks game is in Seattle, by the way. We know we all know how tough of that place to play that is. Uh, that is going to be on December 17th. I think that's actually the big game on Fox, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, I think Cowboys Bill's is, but it's still 425 on Fox. But so today's October 18th. So exactly on this day, two months from now, December 18th, I'm gonna come on my show and have a final opinion on where the Eagles are gonna be at. Like, I'm again. I predicted before the season started, they'd lose in the division round to Dallas and still win 12 games, still have a successful year. I still think they have all the capabilities in the world. I'm not saying one way or the other. They're great. They're going to be great after two months or they're not going to be great after two months. I'm saying, let's see what they got in this next two months when they're playing great quarterbacks, great coaches, great teams overall. Uh, we're about to find out a lot about the Eagles, but I'm putting them at eight for that reason. I mean, that was a bad loss, at least offensively speaking, as far as with Jalen Hurts to the New York Jets. No question about that. Ah, uh, Phillips. <laughs> Phillips says, "Give me those kneecaps." Again, th- this is th- Detroit has to be one of the the easiest teams to root for in professional sports. I, I just l- listen. I, I was one of the many that made fun of Dan Campbell after that kneecaps press conference when he was hired nearly three years ago. But it, he it, it can't be overstated how great of a culture he's built in Detroit, how great of a staff he's built in Detroit, how well they have drafted in Detroit. And they deserve everything that they've gotten this far with this 5-1 and star. Again, they're the best team in football. I I can't. Through six games, what do you want me to say? They've looked better than everybody else. Uh, By the way, they don't have a bad loss in their resume. Patrick says cry, Eagles cry. It was a beautiful day for me. I revel in their misery. Crying and whining when they lost to the Jets. I loved every bit of it. It was a good 48 hours for Cowboys fans for sure. Eagles lost, Niners lost, Cowboys won. And by the way, now the Cowboys don't have a tiebreaker against San Francisco, but San Francisco's only got one game—a one-game lead on them—if they want to get the one seed. Eagles have a one-game lead on them for the division, but Dallas, of course, plays them twice, and Dallas also plays Detroit. And what man? Can you imagine how big that game will be? I think it's the day before New Year's Eve, in Week 17. I think that game's in Dallas too. So that'll be who. I mean, that'll be that'll be a situation. Where Detroit has the advantage literally everywhere except quarterback. And I, by the way, I love Jared Goff. I, I, Jared Goff's played unbelievable football. Still take Dak over Goff, uh, but that'll be a that'll be a that'll be an interesting one. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. That's December thirtieth. It's October eighteenth. Let's live in the moment. That's my top ten teams in the NFL. Going into Week Seven, which Week Seven kicks off tomorrow night let's get the background music back on here week seven starts tomorrow night between the jacksonville jaguars and the new orleans saints the saints have a uh, an advantage according to vegas this game they're favored only by a point so it's darn near a i'm not gonna lie to you i i, I looked at this line i'm like okay i'm i'm, I'm betting jackson well, if i were a bet man of course i if i were a bet man that's why the segment's called that on friday's show. But I'm all over this. I'm all over Jacksonville right now. Uh, if you are a betting man, take the Jaguars uh, and the points, or and the points, singular. Uh, listen, Jacksonville's coming in playing unbelievable football. Again, it's Thursday night football, so it's going to be ugly. I, I'll keep saying this. I wish they'd outlaw Thursday night football. I wish they'd get rid of it entirely. Outside of opening night in September and Thanksgiving Day in late November, that's it. That's the only Thursday football I want to see. I think it's awful. It's a bad product, and just. Put some Sunday games on Amazon, or put a Monday game on Amazon, or a Saturday game on Amazon, okay? We can can do without Thursday Night Football. It's a bad product. It's bad for the fans. It's bad for the players. It's bad for, frankly, it's bad for Amazon outside the bottom line, which I guess, (laughs) I guess that's that's what's all that matters at the end of the day. But it's going to be a little bit an ugly game, as most Thursday Night games are. But Trevor's playing outstanding football. Trevor Lawrence, it looks like, is going to be ready to go. He seems confident that he's, you know, he's got the knee injury. It looks like he's going to be able to play tomorrow night in in the Superdome. And this, listen, I, I don't know what mo- momentum the Saints have right now. So they lost to Houston. I'm a big Derek Carr guy, always have been, and I do think a lot of the Saints' offensive struggles does point back to their offensive play calling. But yeah, Derek Carr is getting harder to defend by the day, and I love him. I'm not going to sell stock on Derek Carr right now when a lot of people are doing that. But Derek's not playing good football. The Saints' offense looks completely anemic. It's predictable. The play calling is horrendous through the first part of the season. The Saints' defense is keeping him in games. I think to a certain extent they'll keep him in this one. But Jacksonville's running game with Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, and the weapons that he has. Uh, again, I don't think Doug, Doug Peterson is a smart offensive coach. He comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. He's not going to put Trevor in a position. More times than not, unless he absolutely has to, where 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 Trevor has to to win the game by himself. He's like, you know what? Got a good offensive line, great running back, got good play calling, good wide receivers. Our defense is getting better. I think our deep. I think the defense for Jacksonville. Is going to get at least two takeaways from the New Orleans Saints. Give me the Jaguars to win uh, and take them in the points, twenty-three to sixteen, over the New Orleans Saints and get to five and two, increase their winning streak to four games. Jacksonville beats New Orleans, twenty-three to sixteen, to kick off Week Seven, and uh, New Orleans, in what is clearly the worst division of football, the NFC South, suffers yet another loss. It's it, the Saints are in a rough spot, cap wise, uh, coaching wise. Jacksonville wins this game 23 to 16. It's great to be back on the show live by the way. Great to be back on Carving it Up live. Again we again on the road on Friday and on on Monday talk about the NFL. Again there were some connection issues at the at the hotel I was staying at, but I had a great time with the family. I can honestly, so obviously I do a sports podcast that's of course. But I did a US President Pres- Pres- series with a friend of mine Isaac Lawson. A month, sorry, a year and a half ago, 10 part presidential series. You can check that out on the YouTube channel. I've got a whole playlist where it's, where it's on there. I could legit do, I could do podcasts on sports, which obviously I've done for darn near four years. I could do a podcast on, um, on presence, which I have, and I could do a podcast on Disney World. Honest to God. I love that place. Love it. Love everything about it. So I had a blast with the family. Great trip, and uh, but it's great to be back on carving up live, and some great sports ahead. By the way, NBA season starts in less than a week. Major League Baseball playoffs are on fire right now, and by the way, we've got an amazing weekend of college football coming up, headlined by Ohio State, Penn State. But for me personally, I'm excited for Tennessee, Alabama, the third Saturday in October. The ball by the way, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific uh, on Friday's show, right in the middle of Friday's show, of course, with NFL predictions as well and reacting to the game from tomorrow night. So that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. Uh, be sure to get Coach Carving Up Live on Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts, via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Subscribe to The Grib. We just surpassed 500 subscribers there on YouTube. Uh, Getting close to doing that on the Carving It Up YouTube channel, trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. So if you have subscribed, thank you so much for doing so. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Uh, But be sure as well to tell a friend to tell a friend tell a family member, tell their uncle, tell their niece, their nephew to tell a friend. And if you haven't subscribed, again, it just takes a couple seconds. Literally, just... Look at look at that look at the subscribe button right there. Or if you're watching on YouTube, what, what was it down down there? I guess I'm pointing to it right or down there. Just hit that button right there, that red one that says subscribe. Hit it. Look how quick that was. See, you just subscribed. It's that easy. All right. See you on Friday. Love sports in October right now. God bless you all. Peace up. Man, I'll tell you. Watch out. Watch out for the Phillies. As much as I hate to say it. Phillies win the World Series. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. And be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on The Grin Network.